This is Geek Gab with your hosts, Dornall and me, Daddy Warpig. We are back. Geek Gab for Saturday, October 3rd, 2020. You'll notice I gave that 2020 an especially funereal sound because uh, it's 2020 and what else would be appropriate? Sounds like it's got you down, DW. No, I'm just, you know, that's just the the sound that's appropriate to this year. <laughs> oh, man. I was thinking about this last night, and so many things were in my mind that happened last week for 2020, and now that I get here to start the show, I forgot most of them, although we should send out, you know, prayers and well wishes to the President of the United States who's recently been tested positive for the COVID virus, so um, we do hope he recovers quickly and uh, in, in good health with no after effects, uh, him and his wife and his campaign manager, um, all of them well wishes. Uh, and in the spirit of being a generally genial and good-natured great guy, I will even extend that to the three members of the White House Press Corps who have also come down with the virus, uh, and also the two members of the Senate Intelligence Committee. Yes, the and same, the outpouring on the internet has been great. Lots of <laughs> lo lots of electronic thoughts and prayers, and actual thoughts and prayers, and uh, and it's it's pretty bipartisan at this point for a guy that for a guy that uh, everybody hates and is worried is going to turn into a tyrannical dictator. There's sure a lot of people sort of setting all that aside. So, and we won't talk about the other outpouring because that's not what the show is about. But moving on, <laughs> <laughs> moving um, on. Uh, I mean, it was inevitable. It was inevitable. All those people meeting each other and, and working in the halls of power, as they say. It was inevitable. Um, How was your week? That, I, <laughs> I'm not Great sure I remember answer. most of this week. I've been playing the... Kingdoms of Amalur Re-Reckoning, which is the updated version of Kingdoms of Amalur Reckoning, and they really didn't do much to update it. I mean, it does look better than the backwards compatible version, but... <laughs> It doesn't look that much better. They didn't really do anything to the game to make it look better on a high-def television other than it's not jaggy. It it looks really kind of disturbing <laughs> because it's the same graphics blown up bigger but not pixelated. Uh... And so it was already a cartoony, 
kind of World of Warcraft style, uh, except the pauldrons aren't as big. <laughs> yeah, I remember that game. Now that's uh, it's a sort of like an MMO light done by um, uh, Todd McFarlane, right? Todd he McFarlane. Did the, he did the artwork. Was, uh, he was involved, yes. Um, it's the game that bankrupted Rhode Island. Yes! Oh, yeah. And don't get me wrong. It is really actually a good game. It's a great game. But uh, it just... It bankrupted a major sports star. Yeah, Kurt Drained away his entire fortune... And the state of Rhode Island. So it had, uh, I think, Ed Greenwood of Forgotten Realms fame was involved. And they just paid like top tier dollar for top tier fantasy writers and artists to come on board. And I, I don't think they needed to spend that much money doing that. And by the time the game came out, it had already acquired this stink of failure, and so it didn't sell as well as it should have because it really was a great game. And, uh, well, they've re-released it now, and it really is a good game, but the graphics don't look as good as they did back in the 360 days. So... It's unfortunate. Oh, well. Uh, but it's still fun. I'm still really enjoying it. Oh, good to hear. I uh, I heard a funny story this week. So did you, and I'm going to relate it. <laughs> Have you heard of the African gray parrot? I did. I, you did. These things are so smart. They they can build up massive vocabularies. Um, and there's a group of them at a British zoo that they've had to cart away and, and, and take away from the guests. You know why, but I, I wonder if anybody in the audience can guess why. Well, it's the same reason we got Bodie McBoatface. Uh, the people that you know the guests and the previous owners of some of these parrots were teaching them all the cuss words they could think of and so there was a group of about five parrots just swearing at each other and at the guests all day <laughs> that's hilarious a Oh, DJ, DJ says, uh, clarifies that they were, they were taken out of rotation, not for the general public, but there's a group of kids planning to come in. So they had to put those aside. <laughs> I, that, that's hilarious. Of course, that's what you're going to teach them. I, I have lived in a house with a parrot for a few years, and I do not recommend it to anyone. Uh, was it obnoxious? Only when it made noises. (laughs) 
Oh man, there's a lot of jokes I can make off that, and I don't. The moments passed. It's too late. No, I had to stop my mouth. I had to just stop my mouth from making that joke <laughs> because I couldn't think of anything that wouldn't get me in trouble. Like seriously, in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> just. I had a pile up and my internal sensor was going, no, 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 no. Veto all of those. All of those. Vetoed. Shut up. I'm glad that's that part of your brain's working. <laughs> oh, man. So many jokes left untold. <laughs> oh, Sometimes no, you're better so, off that way. I did get a root canal this week. Pretty yes! much mostly painless. <laughs> I, I actually the only thing I was worried about it was yesterday morning when I got my root canal. So pretty much the only thing I was worried about with my root canal was that I would be able to talk this morning <laughs> and do the show. Wow. I was just like, I'm hoping this won't be too painful and or the anesthetic won't mess me up my mouth up too bad. Um so I can do the show today. I walked around for half the day after it, and the whole left side of my face was drooping down. It looked like I had a stroke. Oh, wow. Just from the anesthetic, all my muscles were frozen. I had to drink out of the right side of my face. I had to chew out of the right side of my face. And uh, my sister said to me, aren't you not supposed to be eating? Uh, and I just kind of shrugged. She says, yeah, you're not supposed to be eating because they're afraid you'll chew up the side of your mouth. And I shrugged again and said, I didn't. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was like, well, so. <laughs> <laughs> Hasn't stopped me from before. <laughs> like I'm going to skip a meal for a root canal? <laughs> <laughs> no way. Call me when it's something serious. So, yeah, that's that's impressive. Uh, root canal. That's the kind of week it's been. Wow. Um, uh, not not much else in the news, other than what we talked about. The build a mech project over at uh, at Brian Niemeyer's blog is in full swing. Ardenon's put out a bunch of new ones. They they decided that. They needed to put three heads together to make a set of mechs weirder than the ones I came up with. So, my hats off to them. They really, they really got weird. Oh, you said put three heads together, and immediately I thought of something like a mech Ghidorah, right? Or a, or a mecha Cerberus. That'd be great. Uh, and then you went you, on, and I was you like, just oh. designed my next build a mech. Thank you very much. <laughs> We're gonna have a mecha Cerberus. It's gonna um, breathe breathe plasma and my brain just did what you did and said, Don't finish that thought. Okay. <laughs> We're gonna keep the secret until next time, folks. <laughs> oh, I have another announcement. I was gonna save it till the end of the show, but this is a great time for it. Next week, I don't know if we'll be doing a show. Next week. 
the Bone Bat Comedy of Horrors Online Film Festival is happening. It's going all weekend, the 10th and 11th. So I'm going to veg out. I'm going to watch some silly stuff, some comedy horror stuff. I recommend everybody, if you like horror or comedy at all, take a look. Um, Bonebat.eventive.org. Uh, and Steve's been too busy to uh, come on the show. We we had the bone hand on last year, but uh, he's he's so busy with prep and everything like that. Uh, we we barely got him out of the house for a game of Gloomhaven this week. That's how busy he is. Um, so I recommend it. What are you doing next weekend, Daddy Warpig? Uh, yeah. Wrong That's answer. Weird. Bone bat. Comedy of Horrors Film Festival is the right answer. Uh, on the 24th of October, we have Ben Wheeler coming on the show. Very uh, nice. Let's talk about his Pinkerton's Ghosts project. So, uh, unless something happens and that gets bumped, uh, you know, he cancels or whatever. So, that's coming up in uh, just a few weeks, too. Three weeks. Um, do you want to give the website again for the Bone Bat Comedy of Horrors? Yeah, uh, and I'll put it in the show notes too. It's bonebat.eventive.org. And that is shilling, but we're not getting a single penny from it. So that's just pure natural excitement. Yes. Uh. Well, full dis- full disclosure, I, I may have a a family member who submitted a film and will be there in the in the um, lineup. So oh, uh, that's it's cool. That's extra exciting for me. Awesome. All right. Oh, by the way, and it's so good. I caught a preview of it. It's so good. It had me in tears laughing, and I didn't have the sound on. That's how funny it is. Do uh, do you watch South Park? I don't. I've only seen a few episodes. I watched a South Park pandemic special this week. <laughs> I bet that was good. A lot of people really, really liked it. For me, it kind of fell flat. I just wasn't laughing that much. And there's nothing about it that was particularly bad or non-South Parky. It just didn't make me laugh. Uh, happy early birthday to Bradford Walker in the chat. Um, so I don't know. We'll have to see how it goes, but uh, yeah. It's kind of disappointing for me. Oh, I wanted to review that. that before we, re- we reviewed Battlegrounds. Battleground. And that's all I could come up with. That's all I really wanted to talk about on the review because it wasn't really. Well, they're, I mean, they're famous for scathing satire. Uh, they've in the past few years, they've really nailed some of the cultural boogeyman's mocking the, uh, mocking the cancel culture and social justice warriors. Yeah. With the, what was, what was the principal name? Anyway, but it just uh, it just fell flat for you. 
there was a lot of jokes in there that like you could see what they were going for, but they didn't quite hit. I mean, they had the cops come in and take over as teachers for the school. And when two of the kids got really rowdy, um, they shot Token and winged him. Token is the token yeah. black kid. <laughs> uh, and you can see where that would be funny and you could see what they're going for, but it just wasn't, it didn't hit for me. It didn't land. Yeah. Um, and there were a lot of other jokes that were like set up and then they would pay it off later. Um, and they were, a lot of those were just weak. They didn't follow through on them really well. I did think it was, it was amusing how they tied in the origins of the Wuhan virus to some episodes that happened last season in China, uh, where Randy Marsh goes over to China and meets Mickey Mouse and some other stuff. And that was, that was an amusing callback. But again, some of that didn't quite land. And then they had some setups um, that they never paid off, that never got really dealt with in the show. Like, at one point, and this is kind of a spoiler if you haven't seen the episode, but it's South Park. If you haven't seen the episode yet, it's it's too late. The timeliness has already passed. Uh, Mickey Mouse threatens to kill Mr. Marsh. Um, and then they never deal with it. It, it. Why he doesn't, or there's no attempt, none of them show up. It just kind of dropped. It feels like the whole episode was really, really rushed. Hmm. Like they didn't. Usually they crank out an episode, a half hour episode in a week. And this episode feels like it was really, really rushed. Like they needed an extra, an extra week or so to let it breathe and to work back in all these things and to just smooth it over. It wasn't as well done as one of their episodes usually is. That's a shame. So that's my review. It's gotten universal laud and applause and uh, universal condemnation and rage from another group of people, which is their version of lauding and applause. Um, and I'm the only one who's going, yeah, but there are all these problems and they could have been fixed. I mean, I have faith in the talent and the you know, storytelling ability of these guys, these problems could have been fixed. They just weren't. They needed more time to kind of smooth this out and go back over and redo it. They should have had a, a little more time. And it wasn't a, it wasn't a half hour episode. It was like a, uh, it was like a almost full length movie. So. Gotcha. That's my review of the South Park pandemic special. A lot of it was amusing. There were some funny things there, but, you know, it wasn't up to their usual standard. That's a shame. But there were some really great things that work. Cartman's, everything Cartman did in the episode was really, really 
uh, great. Um, Kyle's arc in the episode was awesome. I loved, I loved everything they did with that. Um, no, Stan. Sorry, Stan's arc in the episode was great. Um, so, yeah, there were some good things about the episode, too. I'm not saying it was absolute worthless, but, yeah, it just kind of, there were a lot of really s small things that went very, very wrong that kind of detracted from the episode, and a lot of the humor didn't quite hit. That's it. I'm done with my review. He's done with his review. Are you ready for the main yeah, event? I've been commenting. They're like South Park. What the hell? <laughs> I, I think the last time we talked about South Park on this show was like what two years ago. <laughs> <laughs> we're zigging and zagging, folks. We only want to keep guessing what we're going to hit. South Park's become one of those shows, hasn't it, where you hear about, oh, yeah, they did a scathing satire of, you know, whatever's in the news the, this week. And you go, huh, that show's still around, huh? It's, it's 23 years old. Oh, goodness. Oh, goodness. Are they still making The Simpsons, too? Yes. Uh, apparently, somebody... Uh, Mike at Red Letter Media says it's gotten good again. Uh, who cares? Shame on him for actually watching to find out. <laughs> what the what the heck? Why is anybody even watching it? <laughs> I recall even 10 years ago, 15 years ago, it was a ritual for people on Sunday evenings. And of course... I mean, even even as long as 20 years ago, it had already turned to garbage, unwatchable trash. Uh, yet it was part of their Sunday night ritual. Like, oh, gotta gotta watch The Simpsons. Gotta catch The Simpsons. I avoid people like that <laughs> nowadays. So, anyway, I'm getting from this conversation, if I'm following it correctly, that you're not a fan. Um. Yes, that's accurate. Shall I go into more detail? I shall. For, See, we, we, for a we show, we're, we're not doing the fun anymore. This no more fun, Daddy War Pig. <laughs> this is serious stuff. When when a show has outlived its usefulness as a source of entertainment, comedy, or satire. And, and The Simpsons is, has been one of the most subversive shows on television ever. Uh, yet it continues. I have nothing but contempt for the show and the people who choose to watch it. I'm just laying that out there. I don't care. Sorry if I hurt your feelings or anybody else's feelings. But that's how I feel. He's actually engaging in a rewatching of The Simpsons. Starting from the very beginning. Oh my goodness. Maybe maybe as maybe as an academic exercise, <laughs> right? Because knowing about The Simpsons and seeing it, especially the first few seasons, is a good 
way to understand part of the zeitgeist. Like it has, it has cultural value. It has historical value, but you know, the show is it shows it exists and has existed for 15, 20 years. What, what are you doing? Do something else with your life. There you have it, folks. A review of The Simpsons. <laughs> I didn't know I had that much negative energy. I'm glad to get rid of it. <laughs> Through the internet, into your ears. Everybody who's listening, uh, if you're driving around in traffic, please take a deep breath. Calm down. Don't hit the guy in front of you. I don't care if he cuts you off. Don't let my negative energy ruin your day. I did have a really good day this week, though. <laughs> Tell me more. <laughs> uh, there was a new book that came out, and so I sat down and read it all the live long day. And I read the whole thing in one day. Oh, yeah? One day, just boom, knocked it out. Yep. Tell me more. It was heavenly. I just sat in a chair and read and read and read and took a couple hours break to do some other things I needed to do and then read and read and read until I was done and I didn't talk to anybody and I didn't look at Twitter or anything else and I didn't pay attention to email or messages on my phone or anything. I just closed off the entire world like it didn't exist and read the book. That does sound nice. It really was. Got up to get water occasionally. Go to the restroom. But, man... It was especially nice because uh, Jim Butcher is such a good writer. Oh, yeah, the book sure is, is Battleground. <laughs> I mean, I know it would be a sudden twist if I said the book was like, uh, you know, the, the history of World War II by Winston Churchill. No, it was, it was Battleground. Um, yeah, Jim Butcher is such a good writer that... Uh, it was just nice. You just turned off the world for a day. Yep. It was the. It was similar for me. I'd. I'd. Uh, I think I had an evening's break in between. I did it over two nights, but. Yeah, it was good to just sit down, shut everything out, and, and enjoy a book, which is something, you know, I've said it a hundred times already. It's not common for me. I don't commonly do that. Well, that's it. That's the review, guys. <laughs> go to go to your local bookstore, drop thirty bucks, and uh, take a day off from the world. Is that how much it costs you? That was yeah. I I paid full price at the local Barnes and Noble. Okay, I only paid half that because I bought it on Kindle. Oh no! I dead trees only, please. Yeah, I I read on paper. That's just what I'm used to. Oh, I do. I do a lot of reading on the phone if I'm on a airplane. But anyway, that's not the point. The point is, is that we both read the book this time, 
and Battleground is brand new from Jim Butcher. It's uh, it's the second part of the story he started in Peace Talks, which re- released a few months ago, and we talked about on the show. The Peace Talks ended with a horrible, uh, powerful supernatural being threatening to destroy all of Chicago. Not not even an exaggeration. Like the the villain actually came out and said, "I'm here to destroy this whole place." And what what was Harry going to do about it? Harry Dresden. And this is the book about that. All the all the Harry Dresden and, and the other supernatural powers in the world try and figure out what they're going to do to try to stop this thing from destroying Chicago. Well, that's that's Dresden's goal. I'm not sure most of those other creatures care about what happens to Chicago. But that's beside the point. And don't forget, the big super powerful being also had a huge army backing her up. Oh, yeah. That's right. Jim Butcher's an excellent writer. So the the image in my head draws a comparison to something that is not flattering. And so I'm going to get this out of the way first. It felt like I was reading an adaptation of the Avengers films that was competent. Uh, I, I got that same sort of giant monster army sense with the, it was, it was fun to read, beautifully, beautifully written and everything like that, but it did have that, that cinematic feel to it. It's amazing that you made that happen. Is that a bad thing? No, but it's not precisely, it's, it's what it's what that those movies could have been if they weren't bogged down with ugly CGI, moronic writing, so on and so forth. You know what I mean? It it had the same it had the same look and feel, only it was good. Gotcha. Well, without getting into too many spoilers, Daddy Warpig, what do you think? Um. There is, depending on how you look at it, this is a, when you call it battleground, they're serious. This is a, this is kind of a war novel, um, in that there is a series of crises. It, it's a story about the battle for Chicago. Um, and there is a series of crises. Um, and so they're jumping from one series to the uh, one situation to the next. And bad things are always going on. But at the same time, and most of them are fights, are combats, 
um, and not small one-on-one -on -one combats all the time. This is not Harry Dresden, the superhero novel. This is about big things happening and groups of people getting fights and there are casualties. It, it's war between the Fomor, the underwater kingdoms, and the defenders of Chicago. Um, and in between these things or during these things, there's actually a story being told. It's not just fights occurring for the sake of action. You see relationships develop between characters. You see um, and again, without getting into spoilers, it's hard to describe why this happens, but uh, some characters go over the line and have to be dragged, kicking and screaming back across it. Um, yes, there's, uh, there's a few revelations about characters, you know, characters learn a bit about each other. We learn a little bit about the characters, um, characters are, this isn't, a, this isn't really a spoiler. Characters are forced to work together as, as that process that began in peace talks at yes. the actual peace talks. Uh, you know, that continues. It's, uh, and the way it all plays out is interesting, uh, true to the characters. And it, it made for an extremely engaging read. The battle scenes are very well done. They're imaginative. They're... Not like anything he's done before, so I don't think you're gonna feel. I don't think you're gonna feel ripped off if you read all the other Harry Dresden novels. Uh, they, they didn't seem repetitive to me. They didn't seem like he was repeating any of his old stuff. Uh, I would I would quibble with that a little bit because all the Harry Dresden solo fights felt like Harry Dresden solo fights. He used a lot of the same concepts and ideas and words thrown around. Uh, not, yeah. of course, of course the situations are different and the, the, his opponents are different and, and that always makes it more interesting. Right. But uh, everything else besides those solo fights, uh, really interesting, brand new stuff. I mean, Harry's using his usual tools. He's using his shield bracelet. He's using, uh, his force staff, he's using, uh, he's throwing, you know, big bouts of fire because those are his. Those are his signature his things. Yeah. yeah. Um, but even when you have like the the Winter Fay fighting, we've seen Winter Fay on the battlefield before. Um, and this didn't feel like those battles. Even the. Um, 
even other combatants we've seen uh, were different this time. Absolutely. Uh, that was that was the really good, um, really well crafted action, as you said, that told the story and allowed the characters involved to develop their relationships with the other characters. It was uh, as natural as it could be given the circumstances. Um, and I don't, I don't want to, I don't think this is a spoiler, but Butters is just in <laughs> peace talks. They talked about how he's been training for a long time at Michael Carpenter's house. They pay that off. They paid that off. Yes. He, he, he I say he paid that off. It, it, yeah. What you are promised in peace talks is what you will get. He is, uh, He's a he's, he's he's a knight. He's a knight of the sword. <laughs> it 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 was worth reading this novel just to see how far Butters has come as a character <laughs> mm -hmm. from where he started at as as that mousy little morgue guy in book like three or four or maybe even two or one. I don't remember when he first popped up, but man. Polka will never die. Polka will he, never die. He doesn't even say that in this novel. It doesn't come up, but I remember that. That's that's the best one I tell everybody to read, by the way, is uh, Deadbeat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, out, outstanding what he did with the characters. Um uh, let's see. We talked about the action scenes, which which were wonderful. Um, uh, the I, I was thinking in terms of the good, the bad, and the ugly. I don't think there is anything bad, but there is something in the ugly column. I felt that I could have started the story in chapter two, and I wouldn't have missed anything. Yeah, chapter one seemed like it was. I don't even remember why, but I remember thinking chapter one was kind of. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say it outright. It was it was poorly written and probably thrown together at the last minute to join the two books together. Oh. If um, so I don't say that uh to discourage anyone from reading it because if you are a Jim Butcher fan, you've already read it. Come on. But if you're interested in the series, this is one of the best books in the series. And I want you to know that the rest of the book is excellent. And yeah. and that, that Jim Butcher had to split the story up into two. Maybe he could have had, got an editor and knocked it down to one book. That, that book would have been too big. It's great. But... Um, yeah, DJ remembered it too, Deadbeat, where Butters came in with the polka. But this this book is excellent. If if you don't like what you see in Chapter 1, flip to Chapter 2, read from there. You're not going to miss anything. Chapter 1 is just a way to tie the two books together before the action starts. And once the real action starts, it's outstanding. You're not going to want to put the book down. 
I mean that. I had, to, I had to remember to A, stop and eat, and B, meet up. I had an appointment last night at 6 p.m. that I almost missed <laughs> because of it. Is that good? Yeah, I love this book. This book was incredible. I haven't been giving out any details because really, once once things get rolling there aren't any details that we can give out that aren't spoilers. Yeah. There's a lot of fighting. I'm, I meant to ask about that. Are we going to, are we going to set aside a few minutes for spoiler space or should we save that for another time? Uh, we'll never get back to it. If we, that's never going to happen. Well, so, okay. <laughs> well, then the question is, do, do you want to do spoiler space or do you just want to leave it unsaid? I really do want to do spoiler space because there's something important that I need to say, and the only way we can do it is give off big spoilers. So um, I think, wait, let's flip back. Um, at 45 minutes in, um, we should flip to spoilers. So that's uh, that's about three minutes from now. So we'll give everybody who isn't who doesn't want to hear spoilers, you've got three minutes to, you know, go away. Because um, <laughs> we're going to be talking about some spoilery things. Um, and... Uh, you got it, DJ. And... Uh, if you don't want things spoiled for you, then we're going to let you know. Um, including uh, in the spoilers is how Jim Butcher got me good. Got me with a red herring. Slapped me down. Oh, um, yeah. I remember talking about this last time. Yep. Yeah, he did. He got, he, he got you good. It was, so, it, he, he did the old one-two on you. Yep. And, and I want to be honest and above board and bring that up in the discussion, but it has to, we have to talk about spoilers so we can do that. So I, I want to show people, I'm not afraid to talk about where I get it wrong. I'm down. So <laughs> yeah. Well, it's easy to tell when you're wrong. It's whenever what you say contradicts what I say. <laughs> right. <laughs> easy oh. litmus test. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Uh, do, do you have any more gushing you want to do about the book spoiler free while we, while we give our listeners time to mute? The book does set up a lot of uh, what I assume will be threads for the future. I think there's four more books. No, five more books in the series. Cause you had to split this one in two. Uh, it's great. It's, it's great. I, I throughout this book sort of, I had this in the back of my head, like, okay, how, where does he go from here? And then, at the end of the story, uh, this is the great thing about the Dresden universe. Things change and they stay changed. And at the book, there's sort of a return to, it can't return to the status quo, but it sets everything up. Here's where all the characters are after this journey. Here's all the potential uh, consequences and or villains you're going to see in the future. Uh, but 
but you know we're at the end of this story and and you're done for now and that's i don't know how he did it if i did i'd be a best-selling author <laughs> was there any of the major plot points you saw coming um it's hard to tell in hindsight uh it, it not from peace talks from honestly i didn't think much at all about it like when peace talks was over i was just like okay cool cliffhanger let's see what they do um i but as uh, but the plot points that were brought up in this book it's hard to tell whether how well i saw them coming there were there weren't a f there were only a few twists and and they were monumental but yeah i can't determine that uh cuz there is a there is the big one the biggest one that i saw coming i knew it was going to happen it just rolled up out of my subconscious and said yep this is going to happen and yep. it was it was like i didn't i didn't see that one coming we're going to be in spoiler space really quick yep I, and I don't even know if we should talk about that one in spoiler space. Uh, in fact, we're in spoiler now. We're in spoiler space now, guys. Um, uh, no, we, we don't have to talk about it. There's a massive twist. If you know anything about story beats, as Daddy Warpig did, you will see it coming. I didn't let myself see it coming, uh, and it shook me. I, I'm not ashamed to admit it. I was shook. This book shook me. I was too, honestly. Even though I knew it was coming, I was shook too because he did such a great job writing it. Yeah. Uh, watching what happened to De uh, to Dresden and his emotional reactions and how the situation played out and all of that. Yeah, it did. Yeah, that was that was good. It was a good job. Um, so spoiler space. At the end of the, in last, in the show where we did for Peace Talks, um, I had guessed that the person who coerced Thomas into attempting to assassinate the, uh, are they Svartolf? Uh, yeah, Svartolf, the the earth elves. Yeah. The king of the Svartalves was, uh, Janaskawa, the evil Bigfoot who, um, hates Dresden, wants to destroy him. And I did that based on some solid detective work. Unfortunately, I was wrong. And you find that out at the end of this book. Um, now, I'm not going to spoil, like, the solution to it, mm -hmm. but I was definitely wrong. It is not Geniskawa, um, and I just want to call that out. I was wrong. I admit I was wrong, and I'm cool with it. Jim Butcher got me. Jim Butcher got you. So, I'm down. He's good. Uh, what was great? Yes, the... It was amazing to read it as a war story. 
Uh, lots of lots of innocence. Lots of horrible things happen to Chicago and its people. Um, and and done effectively without. Yeah, you got the emotional impact without it being sort of maudlin and 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 creepy. Let's see. I did like the, I did like the twist, and I even thought about that when I read it. I was like, "Yeah, hey, Jason's gonna, J Jason's gonna look at that and go, no. Whoops, uh, Daddy Warpig is gonna." <laughs> Anyway. Um, I, the one thing I wanted to spoil to talk about was the setup for the future. Setup for the future. Wow. <laughs> we're not we're not surprised, but uh, it's it's definitely it's definitely something we didn't want to see, is it? Um at the very, very end of the book, and, and this isn't a spoiler for the story, it's not gonna ruin the book for you. Um, except, uh, if you haven't read the book, you probably don't want to listen, honestly. So, cause it'll tell you a couple of characters who survived through the book, um, whose life is in great doubt. So you don't want to listen to this part. Um, Mab, Queen Mab sets up Dresden to marry Laura Wraith. Weird. Now, my thought goes in a few directions on that. One, that's exactly what Carlos was afraid of. Was Dresden getting, you know, quote-unquote, involved with Laura Wraith. And one of the things you have to do by that old school European um, familial marriage to seal a uh, to seal an alliance between houses is produce an heir. So I don't know how Dresden gets through that. Through producing an heir without becoming enslaved, I don't think that's possible. the The setup, though, uh, was hinted at by Mab. I believe the setup of the next story is how Harry Dresden finally gets out of being the Winter Knight, or something like that. Yeah. Um, cause I, I don't know, I, I don't know about you, but I don't, I don't think, I think I'm done reading about him being this pawn and having these powers and having this allegiance. I think, I think we're all about done with that, including Harry. Um, but that's why, that's why Molly was recruited to keep him around. I think that she is slowly crushing she is asking him to do worse and worse things. And he's noticed it because they discuss that at the end of this book where he talks about selling his soul one piece at a time. 
And she talks about how she lost her humanity one piece at a time. And I think she's doing it on purpose. That she's mm-hmm. removing, you know, crushing that humanity out of one piece at a time. So he will be a more efficient winter night. So he will be a, you know, more effective tool in her hands. I don't think she cares one way or another. She just needs a winter night who will do her bidding without any qualms. I also get the impression that if he got out of it somehow, that she also wouldn't care about that. Hmm. That she would just, she would find another and, and maybe there's a part of her that will be happy that he got free or maybe not. So I just, I see this, I I see Mab is thinking about this marriage. Well, if he can't overcome this vampire thing, then he wasn't a very good winter night to begin with. (laughs) I mean, that seems to be the attitude of the winter court. Um, Sure, yeah, you can't show weakness. And then if he does overcome it and stay the winter night, he'll have another part of his soul chipped away. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Because like it or not, the white cord is evil. And Harry's had to work with these people because they're fighting against even more evil people, but they're still, you know, evil. (laughs) They murder people and feed off them. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, and there's nothing subtle about it. You know, they, they talk about it openly several times in the story, uh, this path that Harry's on. And uh, the good news is uh, that he's got a lot of good friends in his life that are not on that path. And so he's, he may have a path back. Which is nice. Um, I want to talk about. I want to talk about the other big bad. Okay. The, the one that was hinted at a few books ago, and we finally got to see in action. I'm sorry. the The main villain that they've been hyping up since has it been the first book? First book. First book. Gentleman Johnny Marcone. Uh, of course, he wants to be the Lord of Chicago, and. And you remember in Peace Talks, he represented the mortals. You know, he represented humanity at the Peace Talks. And uh, But he's not exactly human anymore, is he? No. And and we knew about we knew it was happening. It was it was set up at the end of one of the previous books. Like here, here's this guy's going to be a problem in the future for this reason. And he just keeps getting stronger. He just keeps amassing more power, both personal and uh, political and uh, and wealth, and it's not going to stop. That is awesome. That's that's the showdown I want to see. I don't I don't care about this greater power that's trying to unmake reality that they talked about at the end of um, was it Ghost Story? I don't, anyway, I don't care about that crap. I want to see the showdown between uh, Marcone and Dresden. 
Oh, spoilers. Danger Casey asks, any theories on who Mac is? I haven't put much thought to it, actually. What about you? No. Yeah. Um, it's it's sort of a nice thing. Uh, it's 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 going to be a cool reveal if we ever find out, or we should have figured out by now, and it's not important. Um, yeah. I guess I don't think it's very important. Not I mean, me. other than that one scene, we haven't had any clues, and I didn't even know he wasn't human until that one scene. So, yeah, I think I think that was that was the point that that we just thought he was a, a knowledgeable human up until that point. Could be anything. Could be anything. The name Mac is probably a clue, but he's not angelic. That's for sure. Yeah. Um. And I do have one other thing to say before we start, before we slip out of spoiler space. I thought that scene with Toot Toot and the, uh, are they pixies? Is that... The little people. The little people. I'm so glad they made an appearance. That was great. Oh, that when was as, awesome. as, as soon as Dresden was like, you know what? I'm going to need pizza. Lots of pizza. I was like, <laughs> yeah, let's do this. And then all those other people, all those super powerful people, you know, staring at the sky, stunned at what Dresden did. Yeah. And some of them even afraid because they can't believe that Dresden did what they think he had to have done, even though that's not what he did. And what he did happened long before he had any fey powers. Yeah. That was that was all Dresden. So it was just an amazing scene. And I could, you know, I that was one of those things that I could just see it in my head, that vast whirling uh mandala of little people flying in the sky. I was just like, dude, that's Dresden. That's why you love him as a character. Yep. Um, and the, every once in a while, the anachronisms and pop culture references make me roll my eyes, but the character such good company and, and the action so vivid and, and if the, the words just flow through your mind, it's, it's always a treat. Oh shoot, I'm gushing again. <laughs> it's a treat because in that first chapter that that I said was poorly written, I'm like, oh, I don't want to sit through, I don't want to sit through 200 pages of this stupid pop culture reference and and blah 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 blah. And, and chapter two started and I was in. I was like, oh no, okay, this is the real book here. This is where it starts. Go. Uh, I could barely put it down. All right, so we're done with spoilers. If we wanna, yeah, let's take uh, let's take off this message. That was fun. It was good to talk about that. I'm glad we avoided the the biggest ones. You're gonna love this book. We are no longer in spoiler space, Daddy Warpig. We're almost out of time. Do you have anything else you want to say this week? I just I think this book had. I think there's a level beyond fan service. And I don't remember what I was reading or thinking about last night, 
uh, before I went to bed. Um, but it was uh, it was a book or a movie or something where they just tossed in something that was obviously for only for the fans. I mean, because the fans might expect it or might want it. And I was thinking about whether it belonged or not or whether it should have been there or not because it felt it didn't feel really like it fit in the movie it was just sort of there um and this has a lot of stuff that you might think uh, would be just fan service but at the same time it's all hands on deck to defend chicago and so everything in Chicago, which is where Dresden's been meeting and making most of his friends and, and then helping those people learn and grow and build up and stuff for 17 books now. Um, of course, they're going to be there. That's not fan service, really. That's just the consequences of, of all the stuff he's been working on for however long the books have been going in real time, you know? Or in 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 world time, um, and it doesn't even come off as fan service. It's not there just to make the audience go, "Ooh, look, I know that." Um, I mean, I think there were a couple of those moments as well. But <laughs> your point is well taken. So yeah, I, I think it was I think he put in a lot of stuff that was interesting. He opened up the world a lot. There are a lot of new things that came out of this that we didn't know about. Um like when they go into the big uh, cemetery. The people he meets and fights there, we learn some new things about them that we never learned before. Uh-huh. So there's even reveals in this book about a you know several different groups and factions that we never um callbacks to characters that I don't remember reading about. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, that's a reveal. Sorry, still don't remember it. Oh, well. <laughs> um, so that's cool. I mean, he's still unpacking the world for us a little bit at a time uh, and setting up future stuff. So, And it's a ton yeah. of fun while he does it. And, it. and we're having a ton of fun while he does it. It's not info dump. It's just a, a great story, well written, with a lot of interesting stuff in it and great things that happen. Cool. So I would give this book a recommend. Absolutely. Good stuff. Really enjoyable to read. Um, I think that's it. That's it. I am done for today. That was, that was enough gushing. I, I might just go read it again, <laughs> uh, but I appreciate everybody hanging out. Those of you who stuck through spoiler space, I hope we didn't ruin too much for you. Uh, there's, we left, we deliberately left a lot of important stuff out. Uh, I hope you guys love it. If you guys haven't read any of the Dresden Files before, anybody 
hanging out live or listening who are tuning in saying, what are these guys talking about? The book is called Dead Beat. It's the best one in, in the series up until this one. It's early in the uh, it's early in the story, uh, but it's also past Butcher's awkward setup phase. Uh, Deadbeat is wonderful. Start there. He's uh, it's it's a great book series, and he's a he's an engaging, entertaining character and a great narrator. Um, although after you read Deadbeat. I personally would suggest you go back and read the first three because they're also good. I like them, and they do. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that happens in them that's really fun. Oh yeah, yeah. Deadbeat is the uh, Deadbeat is the hook. The Deadbeat Deadbeat gets them hooked. That's how I got hooked. Person who introduced it to me said, "John, John, John, you don't understand." and explained what DJ said in chat. I won't spoil it for any noobs. I was like, okay, yeah, you're right. I have to read this series. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, that's all I have for today. Awesome show. Thanks for hanging out with me. Thanks for joining us, chat. Always good to talk about fun books and stuff with you. All right. Thanks, Mike. Fellow host, Dornall. Um, thanks to everybody who listened live and showed up to participate in the chat. Uh, always a great pleasure. Um, and we want to thanks to everyone. We want to thank everyone who is uh, going to listen later, whether you're listening on the Google Play Store, on SoundCloud.com, or uh, through the Apple iTunes Store. We do the show live just about every week on youtube.com slash geekgab. That's youtube.com slash geekgab. Go ahead and subscribe and hit the bell icon to be notified when we go live. So you can come and join us and uh, listen to the greatest show on the internet. Um, we're leaving you for today. But don't you worry. Don't you fret. We... We'll be back.